You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. Thank you for your precious word. I thank you that we have the answers for life. I thank you that we have the answers for every question. I thank you that we have a Bible that is relevant. I thank you that it is up to date. It is current. I thank you that we have the Bible that we can pattern our lives after and we can build upon the solid foundation of the truth of your word. I pray that you'd speak to us this morning. I thank you for what we've already been able to experience uh, in the service with the singing, the announcements, the fellowship, uh, the, uh, the blessing of feeling the sweet Holy Spirit of God in our midst. I pray now that we would not miss these truths, but I pray we would be hungry for the Word of God. I pray we'd be receptive, and I pray we'd look for areas in our own lives that need to be adjusted and areas that need to be fixed and changes that need to be made. I pray you'd strengthen us and encourage us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm very excited about our theme for these next few Sunday mornings, the armor of God. I've been preaching in our school chapel. Uh, our mascot for Victory Christian Academy is we are the warriors. And Miss Grace Johnson designed a, a helmet of a soldier. And I'll show you that, that uh, mascot sometime. You'll be able to see that. But I've been preaching to our young people about the armor of God. I'm not going to preach the same messages to you that I've preached to them. But God has laid this on my heart, especially because our theme for the year is more than conquerors. And if you're going to conquer something, that means you got to go to battle, right? If you're a conqueror, it means you got to be a soldier. And if you're going to be a soldier, you have to be prepared for battle. You got to put on the armor of God. This is not just a message for teenagers. This is not just a message for uh, Sunday school teachers or choir members. But this is a message for every born again child of God, because if you're here today and you're saved, you are in a spiritual battle. Can I tell you, if you're going to go into battle, you better be prepared for that battle. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 8, it says, if the trumpet 
give an uncertain sound, then who shall prepare himself for the, for the battle? You see, in Bible days, when the trumpet would sound, that would be a signal. Sometimes the trumpet was a signal that everybody needed to gather and assemble. But sometimes the trumpet would sound, and that was a signal that the enemy was coming. And it was time for battle. And it was time for everybody to be at their post and for everybody to have their weapons and for everybody to be ready because the enemy was coming and the enemy was on the move. Well, I got news for you this morning. We're in a battle. And the enemy is on the move and the enemy is attacking and we must be prepared for the battle. It's my desire this morning to sound the trumpet. It's my desire to warn God's people and to remind you that we are in a battle. I don't want to send mixed signals. I don't want to be confusing. I don't want to give an uncertain sound, but I want to make it very clear this morning that we are in a battle. If we're going to fight and if we're going to be victorious, we must identify the enemy. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person on your right. Go ahead, move your head, look at the person on your right. I want you to look, look at the person on your left. All right? That is not the enemy. As a matter of fact, you can scan the whole auditorium. This is not the enemy. And by the way, when you leave this building this morning and you go to the restaurant or you go to wherever you're going, those people are not the enemy either. Our enemy is not a physical enemy, but our enemy is a spiritual enemy. We're in a spiritual battle. You must not ignore the enemy. You must acknowledge that there is an enemy and you must be prepared for the battle. Notice verse number 11. I want you to notice one of the attacks of the enemy. We'll just, we'll touch on this today. We'll get to this at another time. But it says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, we don't use that term much today, but a wile is a trick. It is something that is used to deceive somebody. Did you know in battle, many times the enemy would use tactics of trickery? Many times the enemy would use tactics of deception. I remember reading Years ago, I remember reading about in World War II how that the enemy uh, would try to get behind enemy lines and they would try to change and, 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 and uh, uh, take down or, or change the signposts so that for the, 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 the soldiers and for the army that was marching and for the army that was converging, they didn't know which way to go. And they, that was obviously before GPS and all that. But can I tell you, that would work. And I think the devil is trying to change the signposts. I think the devil is trying to deceive us today into believing a lie. Satan is a liar. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And Satan is a liar, and he's the father of all lies. He's going to try to deceive you. He's going to try to trick you. He's going to try to fool you. The Bible says we're uh, standing against the wiles of the devil, but notice verse number 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but 
We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The word wrestle, it has the idea of a struggle. It has the idea of a fight. Now, I have never, I've never wrestled in competition. Uh, Brother Dan Bybee could tell you about that. Brother Dan in high school was a, an excellent uh, wrestler and competed in many tournaments and matches and all that and did an amazing job at the uh, public school where he attended. But can I tell you, I've never wrestled like that. But I did wrestle a little bit. You know how guys, you know, you wrestle around, you know, and uh, my brother and I, we used to wrestle and that was fun until he started taking martial arts and then uh, I stopped wrestling him. That was no, no longer fun for me. But you know, wrestling, it takes some energy. Wrestling, you'll, get a, you'll be exhausted. Wrestling is not something that you can just give up because if you give up in a wrestling match, you lose. And we're in a wrestling match. Notice what it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Now that's a big word we don't use a lot, but that word principalities, and, and I want you, please hear me, and I'm as serious as a heart attack. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to shock you. I'm trying to tell you exactly what the Bible says. That word principalities is literally the word for demons. Did you know we are in a battle against the devil and his demons? Those demons, can I tell you, they have power. The Bible tells us in the book of Daniel, we won't turn there right now, but in the book of Daniel, the Bible tells us that Daniel was praying and he was fasting. And for 21 days, his prayer was not answered. Finally, the angel got to Daniel and gave him the answer to his prayer. And the angel said, Daniel, I would have been here sooner, but I was detained by the prince of Persia. That's not a physical prince that was in Persia, but that was an, an actual demon. And Satan had appointed a demon over the region of medial Persia. And that demon had literally been in a struggle and a fight with an angel of God. And for 21 days, it was a stalemate. For 21 days, that angel could not get through because of the power of that demon. Now, if an angel of the Lord has to fight with a demon for 21 days, I got news for you. You and I are no match for Satan. We are no match for the demons of hell. But that word principalities, it is a, a high-ranking demon uh, or demons that we are fighting against. Boy, I tell you, you, you turn on the television set and you see much of what is on television and you see much of what is in video games. You see much of what is in the music and so much of what is in the internet today that is trying to infiltrate the minds of our children, the minds of our youth. I want to tell you, there's a whole lot of demon activity going on and we're in a battle. And if you don't think that there's a battle against the devil and the demons of hell, you need to get your head out of the sand because there is a battle that is going on all around us. Principalities. Number two, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, he said, we wrestle against powers. That word powers literally means authorities. And those authorities, in many cases, are under the power of Satan. Now, I want to tell you, 
in our nation and around the world, there are people in places of authority who are being controlled by none other than Satan himself. Now, I got news for you. This is not a political message, but this is a Bible message. But I want to tell you this. It's nothing new that there would be world leaders that would be empowered and that would be directed by Satan. By the way, after the rapture, after we're out of here, the Antichrist will be a world leader that will be empowered by Satan himself. And can I tell you, Satan is in the business of trying to control the authorities in our world. Not only principalities and powers, but then thirdly, it says we wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world. We're talking about world rulers. Satan himself is referred to as the ruler of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. And we're in a battle against rulers of darkness. And then it says we're in a battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. And by the way, emphasis on spiritual wickedness and emphasis on spiritual wickedness in high places. Now again, I'm not here to tell you that uh, the answer for our country is the Republican Party, and I'm not here to tell you that the problem with our country is the Democratic Party, but I want to tell you this. There are some powers in place in our country that is spiritual wickedness in some high places. And we better wake up. And we better get on the armor of God. And we better realize that we are in a battle. Say, well, pastor, thank you so much. You have officially discouraged me and depressed me. And you've about scared me. And I came to church. I was feeling good before I got here. Well, before you leave, let me tell you this. We're in a spiritual battle. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm glad that our God is more powerful than Satan. You say, well, how do you know? He already kicked him out of heaven. He's already got the keys of hell and of death, and our God is greater, and we are more than conquerors. You say, but the devil's stronger than me. I know, but he ain't stronger than God. And I'm glad that we can have victory, and we can put on the armor of God, and we can see God do great things. So quickly, how do we get prepared for this battle? How do we become ready for the battle that we're in? Number one, we must be strong. It says in verse number 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Our strength is not in ourselves. Our strength is not in a person. Our strength is not in a church. Our strength is in, not in our uh, intellect or our experience, but our strength is in the Lord. If we're going to put on the armor of God, we must be strong in the Lord. That word strong means to be empowered. It means to be enabled. You see, a soldier's armor is useless if the soldier does not have the strength to use it. When I played Little League Baseball, I remember it was always the cool thing. Everybody, not me, but, but every, most everybody wanted to be the catcher. You know why everybody wanted to be the catcher? Because you got to wear some really cool gear, you know. You got to have the catcher's mask. 
And you got to have that, that chest pad, and you got to have those knee protectors, and those shin protectors, and then you got this really cool, thick padded glove, you know, and everybody thought that was cool to be the catcher. But you know what was not cool? A catcher that had all the gear, but he didn't know how to catch. That made for a long little league ball game, let me tell you, when the catcher had to run to the backstop and get the ball after every pitch. And as Christians, we're to put on the armor of God. We're to put on the equipment, but we must be strong. We must be ready for the battle. Notice verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that she may be able to stand. Verse number 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that she may be able to withstand. Verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Number one, we must be strong. Number two, we must have the right source. Would you notice what it says in verse number 10? It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We must have the right source. You see, there must be a power source for the Christian. If your power source, and Brother Caleb is out today with the buses, he's out every Sunday morning with the, our bus ministry, and I thank the Lord for him. But if you ever turn on WVFV, 95.9 FM, and I thank the Lord for our radio station. Some of you are listening right now. And by the way, that radio station is 24-7. Hallelujah. And you know what? We've got some amazing equipment. We've got amazing programs and all of that. But there's a problem. If the power goes out, none of that stuff matters. And we've even got a backup. But that backup doesn't last forever. When that power is gone, that radio station is toast. It's, it's not going to do any good. And by the way, you can have the latest and greatest cell phone. You can have the latest and greatest computer. You can have the latest and greatest automobile. But if you don't have power, if you don't have fuel, if you don't have a source, then that is not going to get you very far if you don't get plugged back in, if you don't get recharged or refueled. And in the Christian life, I want to tell you, you got to be plugged in to the power of Almighty God. If you're plugged into a church, your power's going to run out. If you're plugged into a pastor, your power's going to run out. If you're plugged into a parent or a child or a, a friend or a family member or a neighbor, your power's going to run out. But if you and I will get plugged into the power of Almighty God, that power is never ending. And we must have the right source. You see, without His might, we cannot be victorious. The enemy is too strong and we are too frail. I love the story of David and Goliath, and that's a great example of a soldier who went into battle. By the way, David didn't have the armor, but you know what he had? He had God. And David said this, he said, the battle is the Lord's. David said, I can't do it. It's not me. It's not my power. It's not my experience, but the battle belongs to God. And friend, I want to tell you as you go out this week, the battle is the Lord's. Just stay close to him. Operate in his power. Number one, we must be strong. Number two, we must have the right source. But number three, I see the security. 
Ephesians 6, it says that we are to put on the whole armor of God. The Apostle Paul was writing. At this time, he was locked up in Rome. And the Apostle Paul spent a lot of time close to Roman soldiers. And it wasn't by choice either. It's because he was chained. It's because he was in prison. It was because he was bound. And the Apostle Paul, as he sat in a prison cell, and within just a few feet of him, there was a Roman soldier. And I imagine he, he saw those soldiers, and he saw their armor. And he saw their weapons, and he, he saw the fact that those soldiers would come and go. And every one of those soldiers, they were prepared for battle. The Roman emperor, Nero, he wouldn't send a soldier out into battle unprepared. And Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Ephesus. He said, hey, folks, we're in a battle and you got to put on the armor of God. You got to make sure you have the protection and have the security by putting on God's armor. First Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath. It's interesting that David went to King Saul and David and Saul were very close. It says in 1 Samuel 16 that Saul loved David and David became Saul's armor bearer. You know what that means? He was his right-hand man. He was right there ready to assist King Saul, whatever he needed. So the battle now comes and David is getting ready to face Goliath and Saul said, David, if you're gonna go, you gotta take my armor. Well, what did David say? He said, I, I haven't proved these. And the Bible says he put off the armor. He didn't, he didn't wear the armor into battle because he needed something more than physical armor. He needed some spiritual armor. He needed the power of God. He needed the touch of God. And David went to fight against Goliath without one single piece of Saul's armor, but he had on the complete armor of God. That's how David was able to defeat that giant. We must put on the armor of God. That's our security. We are foolish to go into battle unprepared and unprotected. Every day when you leave the house, I imagine there are certain things that you have to have. There are certain things you have to take with you. If you have a, a work uniform, you got to have that uniform on. You leave the house and you got to have your keys, right? You got to have your wallet, you got to have your phone, you got to have your tools. And if you leave the house without a piece of that, then you have to perhaps go back home and get what you need so you're prepared for the day. I want to ask you, friend, this morning, please don't, don't leave the house in the morning without putting on the armor of God. It's, it's a tragedy that many Christians have become casualties just simply because they weren't prepared for the battle that was at hand. Number one, we said you must be strong. Number two, there must be a power source. Number three, the security, the protection is the armor. But number four, I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to do what? To stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice verse number 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. In verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. 
We'll get to this in the next few weeks, but it's interesting. The first piece of armor is to have your loins girt about, to have the belt of truth. You know why we need truth? Because we're living in a world of lies. We're living under the attack of the wiles, the tricks of the devil. And you and I cannot combat lies with more lies. You can only combat the lies with truth. We're living in a day when many people are afraid to stand. The word stand, it means to make something firm. It means to establish something. And, and as Christians, we must stand for something. And by standing for something, you're going to have to stand against some things. Am I right? If you're standing for the truth, that means you're going to have to stand against that which is not true. So standing is more than just a casual, okay, well, now I'm sitting down and now I'm standing up and now I'm sitting down now and I think I'll stand up again. This word stand, it literally is the idea of standing and making your stand strong in the opposition, in face, in the face of the enemy. I don't know how much news you watch and I, anymore, it's hard to know what news people hear and uh, what news is available. But I saw an article this week and I looked it up. I wanted to make sure that I'll read you, not the whole article, but I'll read you a lot of it. I want to be, uh, be, be honest with you about what was said. But I have an article in front of me that I printed out. It was uh, written by CNN. And it was written, and it says this, that there are some North Carolina state senators that are calling for the resignation of North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. By the way, if you don't know Mark Robinson, you need to follow Mark Robinson, and you need to hear his testimony. He's a born-again Christian. He's unashamed of it. And can I tell you, the liberal media can't stand it because he stands so strong for what is true. So I'm thinking, man, I like Mark Robinson, and I appreciate the stand he takes. I'm thinking, I wonder what he did now. Boy, he must have been, he must have been stealing money. Boy, he must have been embezzling, you know. He must have had some, some crazy scandal, you know, in a, in, a, in a double life. And so they're calling for his resignation. This has got to be bad. And here's what happened. Mark Robinson, there was a video that surfaced on social media in which the Republican Mark Robinson says, and I quote, there's no reason anybody anywhere in America should be telling any child about transgenderism, homosexuality, any of that filth, end of quote. And I'm thinking, I got to read that again because I, I missed uh, why he's got to resign. I, I, I missed the bad part. Man, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not a good reader. But he said there's no reason that anybody ought to be telling our children about homosexuality and transgenderism. He said that stuff is filth. And they're, and they're calling for his resignation. Oh, I can't believe he would say something like that. Can I tell you, this world is so offended by simple truth. You know what I say to Mark Robinson's statement? I say, amen, brother. We need a whole lot more of that. 
Mark Robinson made the statement. They came back and they said, we can't believe you said it. And so he replied by saying, I'm saying this now, and I've been saying it, and I don't care who likes it. Those issues have no place in the school. There's no reason anybody anywhere in America should be telling any child about transgenderism, homosexuality, any of that filth. And yes, I called it filth. And if you don't like it that I called it filth, come see me and I'll explain it to you. That was his follow-up. Don't you love it when somebody stands for the truth and when, when the media and the liberals try to pressure them into backing down, they say, I'm not backing down. I'm actually going to say it a little bit louder. I'm going to say it a little bit clearer. He went on to say topics surrounding transgenderism and homosexuality should be discussed at home and not in public education. By the way, I want to remind you, you know why we have a public education system? Because of our tax dollars. Guess what happens? When you fund something, you get a say in it. And God's people ought to speak up and God's people ought to stand up. And I, I said this in the early service, I'll say it again. I thank the Lord for the people we have in our church and our community who are teachers in our public schools and who serve on the board. And I'm thankful for people who have taken a stand in this area and said, we don't want that stuff. By the way, for you parents, you better stand up. And you better speak out because if you don't speak out, there's coming a day when you're not going to have a voice left. And may God help us to stand for the truth. Two of our state senators, I do not know these folks, uh, but Jeff Jackson and Wiley Nickel were quoted by CNN. They said there's no debate here. This is open discrimination. It is completely unacceptable. Mark Robinson should resign. Well, I agree, somebody should resign, but it's not Mark Robinson. It's the guy that made this statement here, trying to get somebody who told the truth to feel bad and to retract a statement. The other state senator, Wiley Nichols, said this, Mark Robinson is a disgrace and an embarrassment to our state. He should resign immediately. Can I tell you how far we've come? We've come so far that these individuals feel comfortable making statements like that. Now, allow me to share with you what our wonderful governor had to say about this. Governor Roy Cooper's office told CNN in a statement that North Carolina is a welcoming state where we value public education and the diversity of our people. It is abhorrent to hear anyone, especially an elected official, use hateful Rhetoric that hurts people and hurts our state's reputation. Now, that is a very telling statement from our governor. For a governor to say that, a governor could have said, you know what? Yeah, people may, people may do that and people may believe that stuff, but we don't want that in our public schools. But that's not what he said. He said, this is hateful rhetoric. And this is something that uh, is an embarrassment to our state. Tell you what, I'm embarrassed for our state, but it's not because of Mark Robinson. I'll tell you that much right now. He said, well, pastor, what does this have to do with the message? What does this have to do with Ephesians 6? I'm so glad you asked. 
somebody's going to have to take a stand. And this is not a, a political message. This is not a political topic. This is a topic of biblical importance. This is a matter of right and wrong. And this is a matter of trying to protect our children, to try to protect the next generation. Lacey and Savannah, would you girls put your Bibles down and hop up here real quick? I'm thankful for all the children in our church and our ministry. I'll use Lacey and Savannah to help me. I didn't tell them I was going to use them, so we're not going to ask you to do anything complicated, okay? I just want you girls to stand right here, okay? Now, if I'm the pastor, if I'm the father, if I am somebody that's a Christian and somebody that says, I want to put on the armor of God, and so I say, I'm going to stand, guess what? I'm going to have to make sure my stand is strong. Because if my stand is not strong and the enemy comes against me, if I don't stand strong, not only am I affected, but I've got some people coming behind me that I'm trying to protect. I'm trying to protect them. I'm trying to teach them the way of the Lord. I'm trying to teach them the Bible. I don't want them to be educated by Hollywood. I don't want them to be educated by the, the movie stars and the sports stars and this politically correct society that says that you can kill and murder babies as much as you want. And if you make a law trying to protect babies, you're the bad guy. That's what's happening right now in the state of Texas. Can I tell you, I don't want my children to be affected by that agenda. I don't want them to be influenced by that agenda. I don't want to have children that grow up and, 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 and have leaders in, in authority that say, you can use whatever bathroom you want. You can identify as any one of 43 genders you want. I want my children to know that the Bible is the word of God. I want them to know that God created them. And by the way, God created male and female. And marriage is still one man and one woman for life. And this homosexual uh, LGBTQ movement that is sweeping, we have become the bad guys because we dare say that is not in accordance with the word of God. And all of a sudden, guess who's hateful? And guess who's bigoted? And guess who's intolerant? Uh, not the ones screaming and hollering like the liberals, but it's us who try to take a stand for truth. And can I tell you, as we stand for the Bible, as we stand against the lies and the wiles of the devil, just remember, you're not just standing for yourself. You're standing for another generation. You're standing for your children. You're standing for your grandchildren. You're standing for all those kids that are in the nurseries and all those children in the junior churches and all those children that come in on the buses. Somebody's got to take a stand because if we don't take a stand now, guess what? We're losing ground and it's going to get harder and harder and it's going to get worse and worse. We must take a stand. Girls, thank you so much. Lastly, and I'll be done, how are we going to be prepared for the battle? We must be strong. We must have the right source. We must have security, the, the protection of the armor. And number four, we must stand firm for truth. But then lastly, we must have the Holy Spirit of God. It says in verse number 17 that you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're not going to be victorious. We're not going to win the battle unless we've got the sword of the Spirit of God. Verse 18, the Bible says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. 
There needs to be some Christians that are praying with some spirit-filled prayers. I'm not talking about uh, just going through the motions and just going through the routine and Lord bless this food and Lord I lay me down to sleep and Lord give us a good day. I think you ought to pray for meals. I think you ought to pray before bedtime. But I'm talking about some spirit-filled praying. In Ephesians 5.18, the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We need some Christians that'll be Spirit-filled. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.